When I think about like people who feel like they don't have power and influence, I really want them to step back and look at like, where are all the places in which I sit at a table in which people I have some say, it doesn't mean that you have all the say, but where do I have some say, some measure of input and that, and that measure of input is an opportunity to, to shift the conversation and to lead, really, because that's all it is. Like shifting the conversation is leadership. Mm -hmm. If you can move the conversation forward, that is a form of leadership. This is the Leadership on the Rocks podcast, where we equip and empower leaders like you to thrive in and create harmony between your professional and personal lives. I'm your host, Bethany Reese. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking with Lyndon Pryor, about how we can discover our leadership purpose beyond that of our personal or organizational goals so that we're also making a positive impact on our local communities. Lyndon Pryor is president and CEO at the Louisville Urban League. Prior to his appointment, he served as chief engagement officer for the organization, working on special projects like a path forward for Louisville, overseeing all communication areas for the organization, and working to enhance the smooth and efficient integration of services at the organization to maximize the potential outcomes for every league participant. Mr. Pryor now leads a team of skilled employees and dedicated volunteers, engaging partners, corporate leaders, and government officials to find innovative approaches to serve the community's needs through programmatic and policy efforts. Welcome to Leadership on the Rocks podcast, Mr. Pryor. We are so excited to have you. Thank you, Bethany. It is a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, man. Well, I am so excited to have you on the podcast. Number one, just your wisdom, your leadership, your career. You are leading in one of the hardest areas of leadership, social change. <laughs> like yeah. it's hard to get sometimes to get people to show up to work on time. And here you are leading a community and leading social change. So definite wisdom coming out. And I'm so excited. So I feel like I have a million questions to ask you and I'll try to contain my excitement and not just bombard you. So let me just start off with, can you just explain to us, you know, what is your concept of leadership and, you know, leadership that really means something? What does leadership mean to you? So, I mean, obviously there is just the textbook definition, which is leadership is the ability to get people to do something that they otherwise might not do on their own. Um, and, and I say that, you know, because I think that's really important. And sometimes we forget that like you know we think about leadership in terms of you know positional leadership and you have titles and authority and you sit at this place at an organization or or whatever but you know leadership happens all over the place and so this idea of being able to get people to do things to move people in directions that they might not otherwise do on their own i think is really important for us to remember because what that means to me is is that everybody gets to be a leader right like it doesn't really like name title and we can talk about all that like that's important like positional yeah. leadership there's something to be said for that but everybody gets to be a leader and everybody should be a leader in some sphere of some sort and so for me i'm always about like however you show up as a leader or where you show up as a leader right like let's make sure that it means something right like let's make sure that you are utilizing that ability to influence in such a way that that has an impact beyond you um and that does something meaningful in life 
I love that. You know, when you first started talking and you're like helping people to do something, even if they you know don't necessarily want to go that way, my first thought was teenagers. <laughs> I'm like yeah. leadership and parenting. Oh my goodness. How important is that? Right. Um, I mean, you as a form, I mean, as an educator, right? Like yeah. you've done this and my background is in higher education, but I know, you know, you have been and lived that life for a long time. And like this idea of leadership, not just in terms of teachers and administrators leading kids, but also, and you know, this well working in high schools, kids leading kids, right? Like mm -hmm. there are leaders all over the building um, who are leading people to do things that they might not otherwise do some of those sometimes those things are not things that we need them to do <laughs> other times they are it just depends <laughs> but like I think it is really important that we see leadership everywhere and mm -hmm. understand that it exists in every single space man it, it's so true so I, I want to tap into you said you worked in the university system right so you've really looking at the kind of the career path you've been on you've led students and now you're leading not only an organization, but really a community. So what are just some observations that you've had just throughout your career on just people in general and then leadership of people in general? Yeah, I mean, I think people are obviously oftentimes self-interested. Um, so they're really that's probably an understatement. <laughs> right. right. So they tend to be really concerned about how these things um, impact them and their families or whatever, however they define their their circles, um, first and foremost. And I think that's important to always remember when leading folks is that, OK, what do you care about? Because I think sometimes leaders, um, some leaders can have a tendency to come in and, and forget that people are people and that they have things going on. And I think tied to that, and it's something that I see particularly in terms of leading um, work in, in a community setting, um, is understanding how people are intersectional, right? Like, and this is something that to me, I mean, honestly, it's very common sense, um, but I don't think we pay enough attention to it in lots of different ways. Um, so the idea that we are all multifaceted people, we wear different identities all at the same time. Those mm -hmm. identities often intersect in all kinds of different ways. And so they they are going to shape how I respond to certain things, how I act, how I view certain things, how I perceive the world. And, and as such, they're going to impact how I respond to certain types of leadership. And so I think that it's really incumbent upon leaders to recognize it. The way I say it is you're serving whole people. Um, and so you're not just serving a part of somebody. I don't just serve mm -hmm. the part of my staff who shows up, you know, to work every day. Like you were yeah. not employee of the Louisville Urban League. Yeah, I love that. And, so, you know, something that we learn in education and, and hopefully everybody learns it everywhere is we went through this massive training of stop thinking that everyone is white middle class. So many people are coming in from so many different avenues and walks in life. Mm -hmm. And you have to one, make them feel safe to be there no matter where they're coming from, what skill sets they have or don't have. Mm -hmm. And you know, really look, and I love what you're saying, look at the whole person, look at every aspect of it. And that's so true in leadership. I love that you started out with a lot of times we're so self-focused and we are. Mm -hmm. How do we get out of looking at whatever it is that we're doing, our task, more than just like a J-O-B, more than just pushing paperwork, you know, trying to, you know, make the sales or make the results happen? How do we zoom out and see that 
our jobs are so much bigger than the thing, the widget. It's people that we're serving on the other end of that. How do we zoom out and find that empathy? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's critically important to really take into account um, who people are. And, and, you know, and I can use that specifically from a, you know, this is just what humans should do. I can use it through the lens of of Christianity and this is what we're called to do. But in all honesty, it's it's good business practice, right? Like if you mm-hmm. if you're going to lead people um, and you're going to be successful, then you want to be able to get the most out of folks as humanly possible. Uh, the best way to do that is to actually care about them. Like, and we then there are studies that have shown this. Like, people have actually done the research. Is like, oh, okay, the environments in which people feel like they are cared about the most by their leadership by their organization are the ones that are most productive. They're the spaces that grow the best. They're the, this is the places that that make the most money or whatever. So if, mm-hmm. so if those are the things that drive you, this is still a best practice for you, even if it's not coming from a place of, you know, true, true genuine or altruism in any sort of way. Mm-hmm. Like, OK, if you want to do it because it makes you money, fine. Do it because it makes you money, because it is going to actually make you money at the end of the day, if that's what drives you. And so getting people to understand that, I think, is really, really important. Um you know, in, in these various spaces of leadership. Absolutely. How, how would you encourage our listeners to step into that? Maybe, you know, we have some people that are lost. Maybe they feel like, Hey, my circle of influence is so small. It doesn't really matter what I do. Right. We have this whole group of of people that feel like unseen, Mm. Uh, they feel like they don't have power or influence. Maybe you have some people that are in between jobs right now. Maybe you have some people that are re-entering, you know, society, whether it be civilian life because I'm coming out of the military or I'm coming out of incarceration or anything else. How would you encourage people to recognize that it doesn't matter your title, your paycheck, your industry, your profession, or whatever? You have influence and you are a leader. How would you encourage those? Yeah, you know, I was having this conversation somewhere recently, and I, I I made the analogy that everybody sits at a table. Um, we and many of us sit at multiple tables, right? Like so, uh, that might be at your job where you are a leader in title or whatever, or maybe you're just a member. Um, but it also could be your household table, right? Like it could be literally the literal table that you sit around every single day with your family um, or friends or, or whatever the case may be, but everybody sits at a table. And at that table, you have the opportunity to look around and see what things are missing and by what things, I mean, what perspectives, what ideas, what opportunities are missing from that table and the way in which you all are doing whatever it is that you do on a daily basis. And, because you are at the table, you have the opportunity to shift the conversation. You have the opportunity to say, like, hey, you know, what about this? Or why are we not thinking about this? Or how about we look at this problem or situation or whatever the case may be in a different way? Right. And so when I think about like people who feel like they don't have power and influence, I really want them to step back and look at like, where are all the places in which I sit at a table in which people I have some say it doesn't mean that you have all the say but where do i have some say some measure of input and that in that measure of input is an opportunity to to shift the conversation and to lead really because that's all it is like shifting the conversation is leadership Mm -hmm. 
If you can move the conversation forward, that is a form of leadership. And so you have the opportunity to do that. But to the point about, you know, you know, folks who are maybe in between jobs and all of this, one of the things that I was saying about my my upbringing and, and my parents and the one of the greatest gifts they gave me was no expectations around what I do um, in a career. The thing that they told me was, we want you to enjoy what you do. It doesn't matter how much money you make. You can figure that out. Um, it doesn't matter what your titles are. All of that will come or not come. But make sure that you are doing something that you love doing. And that would be my encouragement to people is find the thing that you are actually passionate about doing the thing that mm -hmm. makes your your heart smile that gives you a sense of purpose and energy when you wake up in the morning and go and do that and don't be overly concerned about how much that thing is going to pay now mm -hmm. that said because of the work i do i know absolutely that it matters how much you get paid we have people like we are in times where we are dealing with one of the largest income gaps or wealth gaps that our country has ever seen. Mm -hmm. um, and so I don't want to act like finances are not important or not something to be considered because they absolutely are and they should be. But to the best of anybody's ability, I think the goal should be to get into a space where you are doing something that you love and that you care about, because that is the thing that is going to sustain you. And ultimately, that is the thing that is going to have the impact on the community and the society around you. Because what I can say is that in any passion, just about any passion, let me say that, you can find a way to make it profitable, right? Like you mm -hmm. can find a way to get paid doing just about anything in the world. Um, but you can't, you know, you, you can't necessarily find something that's going to fulfill your passion, right? Like that's not going to be anything in the world. You've got to figure out what those things are. And so I really encourage people to do that because it, if you can do that part, then yeah. the stuff that we just talked about, right? Like being able to pour into other people, being able to look at mm -hmm. other people in ways around you, um, at least in a work setting, where you're having that empathy, where you are taking care of them and leading them in a compassionate way, it becomes a whole lot easier when you work a job that you love. Like if you go to a job and you hate the job every day, then eventually you start to hate the people around it, right? Like not even because they- So need true. <laughs> because I don't like it here and all y'all are here, so I can't like you either, right? Like that's uh -huh. just the way in which we think about it. And so it's hard because you're now torn in wrestling mm -hmm. in these ways. And so- we, get into spaces where you actually feel fulfilled and you feel like, you know, um, this is something that truly resonates with you. I think it ultimately matters in the way in which you lead. It actually mm -hmm. impacts how good of a leader you are um, in a lot of areas. And so I, I would strongly encourage people to truly look for passions um, in the things that they love um, and, and try to find those spaces um, to get into and then lead. Man, you have just said so much and my mind is running a million miles a minute. I want to talk about the sitting at the table, recognizing that, but then you have so tapped into purpose as well. So let's start off with the table. You know, you talked about everybody has influence. You're sitting at some sort of table, multiple tables, right? At, whether it be at home or in society or with your friends or at work or wherever it is, you're at a table and you can help guide that conversation. So what that made me think of is, 
you know, oftentimes we are just living like zombies. We're just doing the thing that we always do. And a lot of times we don't even recognize what's really going around, you know, what's happening around us. We've lost that power to notice. And, you know, that reminds me of just, you know, there's a, there's a log in my eye and I'm focused on the speck in your eye. How do we grow in the skill set to recognize one, how a conversation is going and then two, learn how to grow ourselves that we can step into and then guide a conversation in the way that it needs to go? That's a really good question. And it's honestly, I don't know that I have the answer for it because I think it is the answer to that question is the key to unlocking so many things that are wrong in society or correcting so many things that are Mm -hmm. wrong in society. Because I think what you're describing is, is how do we start to see the humanity in other people? Right. Like because it's it's really fundamentally how you how you get to humanity in folks. Mm-hmm. And so whether we're talking about, you know, um, war in the world, whether we're talking about famine in the world, where whether, whether we're talking about the rights of women, the rights of children, the rights of black people, the rights of LGBTQ people, um, whether we're talking about education, uh, the whole nine, like for me. I can take any topic you want and where there's a huge disagreement. Oftentimes we're going to get back to whether or not you see whether one side or the other sees the other as being human and or worthy of human considerations, right? Like that's really what these things come down to. And so we have gotten ourselves into a space where we do not oftentimes see the humanity in others. And and this connects to the other part about intersectionality and serving whole people. We tend to want to see people literally or see the parts of people that we value, right? Like, so Mm -hmm. somebody might see your Christianity, but they ain't going to see your womanness. Yeah. Um, or they may see, we love those labels right like so <laughs> you know or they may see your 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 class um but they don't want to see your race or mm-hmm. you know or whatever it is right like we want to pick and choose the parts of people that we actually value and we'll serve those we'll cater to those parts but we will not um but we'll leave the others to the side as if they don't exist and we've got to understand that we are dealing with whole people and therefore you are taking everybody and we are called to then figure out ways to serve and respond to and respect and love and care for the whole person all of you not just the parts of you that i that i like or mm-hmm. don't you know or, or, or appreciate but all of you and it's it's difficult to to do that right like i think that is that is a challenge to every single person but i think if maybe maybe the answer is doing the thing that i talked about first is like if you can think about it from a selfish perspective and i've used this example in talking about you know helping people to understand equity and it's kind of a strange example that i use but um you know we all know what it's like to be late for a meeting, right? <laughs> like you're rushing, getting out the yep. door, get the kids together <laughs> or whatever, and then there's traffic and it's all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, but for whatever reason, you, you make it to the meeting and the meeting and, and you're late, 
right? Like, and it's mm-hmm. a meeting that you needed to be a part of, and you needed to have, um, you know, you need to have some input in or whatever the case may be. You understand what that's like, and you understand how that may put people in an odd position, but you also understand like, hey, some of this stuff wasn't my fault. Like, okay, maybe I could have gotten up earlier, but I can't control the accident or the construction. Like, mm-hmm. you know, some of this is on me. Some of this is just on the world. Like, these are things that cause me to be late, but I'm I'm late nonetheless. Your hope is, is that the people in that room are going to understand that, okay, you were late. But let's get you caught up. Let's get you the things you need, the materials you need or whatever, because we all understand what it's like to be late. And so the same is kind of true in every other life instance, right? Like if you can understand what it is like to go through something and how you want the world to respond and kind of understand that we can do that in every single in every other iteration of life like we can understand that okay there are things that may have happened to somebody or things that they may have done that have placed them in a situation where they are now at a disadvantage they are now late to the proverbial meeting Mm -hmm. how can we respond to that in such a way that understands like all right yeah you may have you may have overslept, but also there may have been an accident that you mm-hmm. could control. Regardless, you're here now. So how about I do what I can to get you caught up rather than trying to find fault or trying to blame or trying to exclude or trying to leave behind all of these sorts of things? Like, why can I not just accept that? You know what? I've been late. Things happen. Somebody mm-hmm. caught me up. Why can't I do that for somebody else? Right. Like understanding that we have a role to play in how we respond to how people show up as well. And that is not just about them and what they do. Like nobody exists in isolation. We all exist in relationship. And so they have a part to play in their, in their part of the relationship. I have a part to play in our relationship as well. And so I can Mm -hmm. control what I do. And so I don't know that that, that helps. I still don't know that that necessarily gets us there, but I do think that we have to get to a better place of seeing humanity, um, seeing ourselves in other people. Yes. And, and I think that's just such universal wisdom and truth. And, And no matter what table you're sitting at with leadership, the first set of lenses that you need to look through is love and humanity, right? Everybody deserves love and respect. And I recognize your humanness. Right. And and then I love that analogy. That was just so good about being late to the meeting and how can we not berate that person, you know, but catch them up so that we can continue moving on. Right. Everybody wants to continue moving on to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. <laughs> you know, how can we get everybody going that direction? That was so good. Thank you for sharing that wisdom. And going into the second part of just everything that you've kind of been talking about, looking at purpose, you know, it almost makes me think that actually we all have the same purpose, Mm -hmm. right? Especially in leadership is to serve, to love on, serve others, to serve in in a way that benefits them. We're bringing everybody along, helping them, right? That's really the purpose of leadership. doesn't matter the title, the industry you're in, but the calling is more of the how you get it done. And that's where, you know, you were talking about passion earlier. And that's kind of what I was thinking about is we all have such different, unique talents and abilities in which we can pour into other people. And so 
how did you, you know, going from university um, systems to then now serving communities through the Louisville Urban League, how did you find your calling, your purpose in that? Hmm. Well, you know, the interesting part about that is that I don't think that my calling changed, right? Like, so I have known, um, and I didn't always have the words for it, right? But I knew that I always had a, a passion for um, positively impacting the lives of my community. And when I say my community specifically, it was it was Black people, right? Like, I, I, I wanted to create opportunities, spaces, and experiences that allowed uh, Black people to equitably uh, thrive and grow um, and experience, you know, true freedom and liberation. And, and that was born out of, oddly enough, in a poor educational experience that I had going back to the eighth grade um, and seeing how me and my friends were treated. Um, um, in a certain uh, in middle school um, and by, you know, folks who had power and influence and leadership. Um, and that kind of set me on this course. Like I always knew, like, no, this wasn't OK. I don't like it. And I don't want to see or be a part of anything like that um, in the future. Right. And so that kind of established um, the purpose that I wanted to have um, in life. And then I had that kind of in in combination with, you know, what I said, you know, my parents gave me, which was go do the things that you love mm-hmm. and that you enjoy. And so every job, every experience that I had um, as I was figuring out, like what I wanted to be when I grew up was always about like, but I need to be able to do this thing. Right. And so if that's working in housing um, on a college campus or working in student activities on a college campus um, or, you know, teaching uh, somewhere like or now working at the, the Louisville Urban League, as long as I got to fulfill that purpose. Then mm-hmm. the job didn't matter. And I'll be honest, like that's I mean, my my wife even has said, like, that's weird like that like people don't really think about that that way and it's just like i can do a lot of things i won't say i can do anything but i can do a whole lot of things i can have a bunch of jobs but for me is if while i'm doing that job do i get to fulfill this purpose Mm, that's so good then then i can do the job like it doesn't really matter where the job is or what the job is um per se as long as i get to to fulfill that purpose. And so that's what I look for. Um, you know, when I was job searching or looking for opportunities, it was like, all right, where do I get to do this thing that I know I need to do that, mm-hmm. that fills me. And so if I can do that, then the how I'm doing it doesn't matter as much. Not that it doesn't matter at all, yeah. but it doesn't matter as much. As long yeah. as I get to do the purpose thing, then that's how I get there. I I just couldn't agree more. You know, I've had multiple jobs. I've, I've taught K-12. I've been an instructional coach, administrator. And now, I mean, I'm owning a business and podcasting. Who saw that coming? I sure didn't. And and the same, like my purpose is encouragement and coaching. I love people so much. I just want to encourage. I feel like so many people are walking around just with this massive weight on their shoulders. And I'm like, let's flick that off. I mean, let's go. You can do this. (laughs) Encourage and coach them into stepping into confidence for who God created them to be and specifically as leaders. And it's not tied to the position or the the task or the thing. It's but that purpose has always been there. So help our listeners think about 
how do we scale what we're doing, our 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 jobs, our our leadership from the the small tables that we're at to finding purpose that's bigger than ourselves so that mm-hmm. we truly are impacting our communities. Um how do we start growing that that confidence to lead beyond ourselves? Yeah, I mean I think some of that is not just growing the confidence, but it is growing the courage to do mm-hmm. it. Right? Like there it takes a measure of courage to to want to go out and do something that is going to positively impact other people. Um, and so I, I am, I mean, now when I talk about leadership, a lot of places and particularly here in Louisville, you know, I'm calling on people and calling people out about like courageous leadership and the need for more of it. Like it is, mm-hmm. it is it, true leadership in my opinion um, yeah. is, is not, is not timid. Um, it cannot be, uh, you know, fearful. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that is, that is a big part of it. Um, but I think, you know, oddly enough, I think to get to the place that you're talking about, it has to do with how do we remove ourselves, um, from the center? How do you decenter you? Mm-hmm. It is. Um, and that, that is, again, that is, very difficult, particularly in in an American Western kind of culture where we have been conditioned to put ourselves in the center of just about everything. Um, and so, how do you decenter yourself, right? Like, and so, if this is not about me, if you think about your life, you think about your leadership opportunities, and you say, like, all right, pluck me out of this. What good is the work that I'm doing? Um, and then have a really honest and objective conversation about that like Mm -hmm. ignoring all of the benefits that you personally reap from it i think that's how we start to get there because sometimes i think in some places you're gonna find like huh i'm not really doing much right like if outside of the benefit to me outside of the paycheck or the benefits or the travel or whatever it is yeah i don't know that there's much being gained by anybody other than me and my family and i think once you start to have that honest conversation, um, you begin to move yourself in a direction of how do you get to some real purpose and meaningful purpose with what you do. And you have just hit the nail on the head, in my opinion, of just the root of so many problems in society, in leadership, that self-focus, how, you know, how do I gain power, status, money? Um, and we're so focused on gaining that for ourselves that you know, the whole point of leadership is serving other people to begin with, you know, influencing them and leading them in such a way. But we've got to have that honest conversation. I just thank you so much for really saying, okay, guys, if you really want to grow, <laughs> then stop thinking about yourself so much. So thank you for just, again, hitting that nail on the head. It's so important. Um, as as I look and, and I'm so in awe of just your work and, and what the organization does, so I have another question of just kind of scaling that influence. You know, you've gone from leading students and you found your passion, right, to really assist in equity and and leading, you know, black people through gaining that equity. Mm-hmm. How do you now, you've gone from the university system to now, I mean, think about all your stakeholders. You are working with the people that are um, going through the programs, right, the people that you're serving. 
you're working with staff, you're working with volunteers, you're working with, you know, community partners, business partners, you're working with government, that in of itself could be a headache. How in the world do you get all of the stakeholders to come together for the vision of the Louisville Urban League and then buy into that vision so that everybody's on the same page to serve the community? How do you get people to buy in all those stakeholders? Um, well, one is by acknowledging that they all got different interests, right? Like none of them, none of those folks that you name by and large are coming to the table for the same reason. Um, and this kind of gets back to this idea of serving whole people. It's like, I need to understand why you community member are here. I need to understand why you volunteer are here. Mm -hmm. Um, you corporate partner, you government entity, like, why are you here? What is it that you want or seek to do out of this? And sometimes it is self-interested. Sometimes it is, you know, truly, you know, altruistic. But whatever it is, I need to understand what it is that is driven you to the table or in many cases, why I'm calling you to the table to be able to do a certain thing. And then I need to be able to speak to that. Mm -hmm. And I need to be able to speak to that to the extent that here is how this relationship becomes mutually beneficial. But what I also try to do is also be honest about the places, the parts of you that I'm not going to be able to fulfill and the things that I'm not going to be able to cover because we can't be all things to all people. And so with such a diverse array of stakeholders, I can't satisfy all of you. I can't satisfy all that all of you want. Yeah, I may be able to satisfy a certain thing, but I can't satisfy all of it. And in some places, getting back to government, there are some places where we we just not going to agree. I, yeah. I, I, I vehemently just disagree with you. All. And so we can't, we, we're not going to partner in this place or I'm not going to be able to meet your expectations on this thing just because I don't agree with the way in which you're doing it. So part of the leadership is understanding that or doing my best to understand that. Um, doing my best to speak to what it is that I can connect with, where we can work together, where we can find uh, mutual ground and move forward, but also being very honest and clear about the places that I can't because I'm not about, you know, making false promises. I am not about getting myself into spaces where I've committed to something that either A, we don't believe in or B, we just can't do. Um, and so be very clear around like, there are some places where there's just going to be a gap and I'm not your partner um, either because I don't do the thing or because I don't agree with the thing um, or I just don't have the capacity for the thing, whatever it is. But, you know, I think that helps because people value that. Right. Like I think, you know, again, think about society. I think people shun honesty these days. Like we it's it's a lot of. Oh, yeah. We'll cancel you out. <laughs> Well, yeah. And it's not a whole lot of, you know, unfortunately, it's not even a whole lot of, you know, we expect you to lie, but we're okay with omissions, right? Like, it's just like, oh, well, we're just not going to talk about this thing um, <laughs> and just hope that everybody's okay with it. But I am, and maybe this is, you know, those those deep South roots, um, you know, of Texas that are, you know, just kind of drive this is like, just say the thing, right? Like, mm -hmm. just, just say the thing and that allows people to be able to make decisions because i also believe in empowering people to make the decisions that are best for them and so yeah. it's good for me to know where i stand right like i am again i am for um 
equitable opportunities and advancement of Black people because of where and how they have been um, systematically disadvantaged in places. Mm -hmm. There are going to be people who come to the table who don't agree with that and who aren't in the same place that I am. That can be okay, right? Like I can, that doesn't mean we can't work together on some things because some things we can work mm -hmm. together on. But what I do need you to do is actually be honest because I don't want to have an expectation of you that you can't fulfill. Yeah. And you shouldn't have an expectation of me that I can't fulfill. And so let's let's be honest about where we are on a given topic, subject, area um, so that we can be clear and I can make the decisions that work for me and those I serve. You can make the decisions that work for you and those you serve. And we understand very clearly where we are. Um, and that way it's, it's just easier to move forward. Man, I, all of you listening, I hope you're gathering all of the wisdom and the universal principles <laughs> that Mr. Pryor is sharing. I, there's so much in that. I just, I could spend a whole nother hour just digging into it. First, you're starting with the recognition of seeing the humanity in people. So number one, you're coming up to the table with respect and a love and appreciation for. Then you're building the relationship, right? And when you have that relationship with people, you can come to the table with your true self, authentic self, you know, being honest because they know that there's that love and respect there and they're able to listen to the message. When we come, you know, with brass knuckles and wanting to punch people in the face, of course, they're not going to listen and hear anything you have to say, mm -hmm. but you're recognizing that. And then too, whenever you're talking about all of the, the issues or the hardships or how do we make change in society and make a positive impact, you start with relating it. Like you were saying, looking at your variety of stakeholders, you've got to be honest and recognize what they're coming to the table with and what their desires are, and then relate what you have and what you're working on to that. Mm -hmm. And if it's a fit, then it works and you can partner up on it. Guys, this is just wisdom that'll serve you in everything, including your parenting and your marriage. <laughs> You know, <laughs> it can't be one-sided. You got to come to the table and, and relate it. So I just thank you so much for sharing all of that. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. So as we kind of wrap up, um, you've definitely given us so much. What are some key takeaways? What are some actionable steps that we as leaders can take to grow in our leadership, but really start to zoom out of just our leadership at at work, at the job, at the job, pushing, you know, the paper, doing the task. How can we grow that so that we can courageously, as you said, step into leadership where we start making positive impact in society? Mm -hmm. So one thing um, that I, I will lift up and it's it's kind of maybe I'm just restating something that I've said, but in a different way is right now in society, like for some folks, um, words like power words like privilege um are have these negative connotations right like they're they're these things that we reject particularly when i you know when when i'm in conversation and talking about white people in general right like there are folks who bristle with this idea of privilege white privilege or all of that sort of stuff or the idea of power right like power mm -hmm. is an an incredible com uh, an incredible thing that i think we need we as an entire society need to start to have better conversations around because mm -hmm. much of 
what we are dealing with and what we are facing. And I, I say, say it all the time, like you can pick whatever ism you want, racism, sexism, classism, mm-hmm. um, homophobia, whatever, right? Like all of that is rooted in power, but we almost never talk about power. We talk about the ism, but we rarely ever talk about power. Um, and so I think power and privilege are two things that I think that any leader need to get really acquainted with those words and those terms um, in the sense that they are neither good nor bad. They are just things. We all have power in some places and less power or no power in other places. We all have privilege in some places and no privilege or less privilege in other spaces. It's not good or bad. It's just a thing. It is Mm -hmm. a thing that you didn't ask for a lot of times. Sometimes you do, but oftentimes it's not a thing that you ask for. It's a thing that you were kind of given or that's bestowed upon you or whatever, but they are very real things. And once you kind of have an understanding of that and what those things are, I think it is really important that leaders look around and figure out where do I have power where do I have privilege and actually identify, like really think concretely, like at what tables, at the various tables that I sit, where do I actually have power? Where do I actually have privilege and where you have it, then use it, like start to actually wield your power and your privilege for good things. Because uh, most people I would submit are just not using their power and privilege. Oh, they yes. have it and they are not using it. They are silent in places, um, either because they don't realize that they have it or because they do and they're they're operating from, from this space of fear. But wherever you have power and privilege, use it. Use that to do something good, to make positive change, to mm-hmm. make space for other people, to bring, to move the conversation forward to get to decenter yourself or to decenter others who are oftentimes put in the center, right? Like do something good with the power and the privilege that you have um, where and when you have it, because that is super important. Like that is the role of the leader is to understand that and to do what you can with what you have while you can. Um, to the greatest extent possible. Man, that's so good. And you know, the whole time you're talking, I'm like, everybody has power and privilege in their friend groups and in their family. Mm -hmm. That's a great place to start with those conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, Any conversations that you're noticing, any generational sayings that come down, like, are you recognizing that? Is that not sitting right? Change that conversation. Um, I just love that. And that's such a great place to start. You've talked so much about how we leaders can one peel back all the things that we do and find true purpose. Like you found your purpose, um, in, in, in serving the black community, you know, for equity and, in all the things, you know, I know y'all focus on education, um, housing, employment, and, and just all the things. And in all of the positive aspects that you've given us of how do we step into leadership with purpose? How do we serve and actually make change in the community? How do we use our power and privilege at the tables that we sit at? Thinking of all those positive things, I now want to flip the script and say, what's something we got to stop doing? What's one poor decision that you see leaders making that you just want to flat out say, hey, stop doing this. That's a poor decision. You're better than that. (laughs) Yeah. um, I would say leading from fear. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you, I had a, I had a teacher <laughs> actually, um, who said this and, and, and it has some, something that, that resonated with me. Um, and I've tried to figure out like, it, can I apply it to everything, but I can certainly apply it to leadership. But what he said was every decision you make, you make it out of fear, or out of love, right? Like that's oh. like at, at the end of the day, he's like, if you track down, if you literally walk down, why you did a thing. You did it out of fear of something or out of love for something. Hmm. And I believe that leaders have to stop, have to stop leading out of fear. You have to stop doing things because you are scared of what is going to happen um, or because you are scared of whatever thing that yeah. is. How you're going to be perceived. That's a big one. Perceived, how, <laughs> how it's going to go over whether or not you were going to be sued. Like there are lots of things that leaders do and they're doing it from positions of fear. Mm. And that is the absolute wrong way to lead because when you're doing things out of fear, you are essentially ducking out of um, courageous opportunities. You are taking yourself out of the potential to do great work for something else. Because if you are going to grow, if you are going to help, if you are going to move a conversation forward, particularly into spaces that um, it, that, or into places that, you know, you currently are not, it's going to take doing something that you may fail at. It's going to do something that may create backlash or that may not go over well, because that is what new things do. New yeah. things create controversy. New things create <laughs> tension. New things, um, you know, make people uncomfortable. That is the whole point of newness. It is yeah. going to do that. And so if you were doing something out of fear, then you are rejecting the possibility of the new. And if you are rejecting the possibility of the new, then you are inherently not growing. And if you aren't growing, then why are you doing this, right? Like you were mm-hmm. not leading at that point. You were just yeah. preserving. Um, oh, so we need folks who are going to be leaders and not simply people who are going to be preservers um, because that isn't mm-hmm. what we're called to do. Yeah. We're not called to keep the status quo. <laughs> no, not at all. It is we're called to be more than and to do more than for more people. And so we got to do that, obviously, responsibly, ethically, and all of that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. We can't do that from a position of fear. Man, that's so good. You know, I just see all these visuals of the glasses I'm wearing. What lenses am I seeing people through? And what's the the tweak of my heart? Am I making decisions out of love or fear? You know, how is my heart turned when it comes to all those things? Thank you so much. That was great. Um, so where can the listeners go to learn more about you and your work um, and, and just everything that you stand for and work through? Sure. So I'm at the Louisville Urban League in Louisville, Kentucky, and you can find us online at LUL.org, LUL.org, um, and across pretty much all the social platforms. We're not on TikTok, but um, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Threads, uh, mm-hmm. Facebook, you know, you can find us there to figure out, you know, what we're doing. And so if you're certainly if folks are in Louisville, Kentucky, Come check us out. We have um, big events um, in the spring. We always do a Derby Gala, um, which is the week of the Kentucky Derby. Um, oh, so awesome. we are the best, the best party in town. 
Um, <laughs> so it is it is a great time for a great cause. And so folks can do that. You can join and be a member of the Louisville Urban League. You do not have to be in Louisville, Kentucky to be a member of the Louisville Urban League. It's 50 bucks a year to be a general a member of the organization. And it's a great way to support. Um, I actually have been, you know, saying with my with my team, I want I've got a goal for us to have 10,000 leaders. I mean, 10,000 members um, this year. And so it's a big, audacious sort of goal. But I think we can do it. Um, and so. But it's a it's a way to to show your support for the organization. Obviously, the financial stuff helps. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a, I run a nonprofit, and so I, I am here um, based on the, the the charity largely of others, um, and so I always appreciate that. But it also says something that hey, we believe in what this organization is doing. We believe in the mission. We believe mm-hmm. in the work and we want them to go further. And so that is always helpful. And so folks can find us in all of those places. And then I'm there um, as an individual on all of those same places as well. So be sure to look me up LinkedIn, the whole nine. Um, folks awesome. Check me. And, and I will have links in the show notes to all of those places that you mentioned. So thank you so much. Uh, thank you for being here. It was fabulous. You are so full of wisdom, leadership wisdom, and I just ap- applaud the work that you're doing. I know you're an inspiration to me and hopefully everybody listening. So definitely go check them out, follow them and, and let's keep growing in leadership in this area. So thank you for being here. No problem. Thank you, Bethany. I really appreciate you having me. All right, guys, until next time, continue putting in the work of building your life and leadership on the rocks, the essential rocks. God bless. Remember, the most essential rock you can build your life and leadership on is the rock of Jesus Christ. Today's Bible verse comes from Mark chapter 12, verses 30 and 31. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these.